Hey, Froth. Great episode as always, and I hear you. Let's let's not hate the haters. I uh, I just hope that one day they can let go of that hatred and come back to society in a more amenable frame of mind. I I don't know what that's all about, um, but I feel sorry for those people. I don't really do hate. Um, it's just I think it's just sad. But um, awesome, awesome show, mate. Take care. I'll catch you later. Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Pass. <laughs> hey, everybody, it's Froth here with the Thought Eater Podcast, Thought Eater Blog. I hope you're doing well. Thank you very much for listening. We are back again to Wednesday, so that means it's time for another Hump Day Blogorama weekly show where I'm talking about stuff I spotted on RPG blogs. Talk about it here on the podcast, and then I put it all up, links up on the uh, Thought Eater blog for you to check out. You can follow that link in my show notes or go to frothsoftfrothsofdnd.blogspot.com. Com, com. Anyway, huge show to get to. Huge show. And I was hoping to record it on Tuesday so I could have it out Wednesday morning U.S. time, but that didn't work out for me. I had to sit in a lot of traffic yesterday and just wasn't up for it. But we're ready to go now. I mean, it's got to come out. It's Wednesday, right? So got a bunch of call-ins to get to. You heard from Colin Green there at the beginning of, from Spike Pit at the beginning of the episode. And we're going to hear from a bunch of OSR Anchorite luminaries, including, including our fed, AKA Darren Green, Mr. Yoder, uh, John Allen Large, Goblin's Henchman, a veritable who's who of Anchorites. So let's get started. Hi, Arfid here. Um, I've heard you mention a couple of times on the last few uh, podcasts that Tuesday top threes are probably going to take a back seat. Um, although I love the top threes and um, like calling in with suggestions, I think that's the right decision for yourself. Um, I think your schedule was too busy. I think you're uh, overdoing it. Um, I'm sure everybody, the same as myself, wants you to enjoy doing your podcasting and not make it into a work schedule that, you know, sometimes you're not going to look forward to if you're committed to something. So, yeah, keep up your your Wednesdays, your main day on your blogs. Um, I think that does a great service for everyone that's listening, um, giving them great ideas and links. Um, if you get the odd Tuesday, that's great. But, yeah, certainly don't overcommit and don't um, make it a work um, just enjoy what you're doing. Cheers. Thanks again. Arfed, I really appreciate that because you are one of the people that I feel like I'd be letting down by not dropping the top three Tuesday every week, you know? So, uh, but I definitely don't want this to turn into feeling like work or responsibility. Ugh, it's supposed to be fun. And so, yeah, I definitely want to keep it fun. And um, I've just got a lot of other stuff I got to do as well. You know, uh, all of a sudden I've got more 
Uh, as we flip to our new fiscal year, I've got a bunch more stuff that I'm having to do, a lot more travel, and um, and then I got to worry. You know, I want to worry about my daughter and and making sure she all her studies and everything is on point this year, and she's got a lot of um, uh, extracurricular activities and stuff as well. Um, that's got to come come first. So, but I appreciate you saying that, definitely. Hey, Froth, this is Jim here. Uh, I was calling because uh, I wanted to say a couple things. I listened to your Hump Day blogorama earlier. Uh, it's great that Evelyn left those two messages. Um, she's got some cool stuff, which you already knew that, but I just wanted to echo it and to let you know about uh, Kabuki Kaiser had a thing. He's got a couple. Um, adventure supplement things the one I'm thinking of is Ruins of the Undercity where you basically roll up your characters and it's just random tables and you go into the Undercity and you roll and it tells you what the room is and what's in there and all that so another solo adventure for you take care, have a good day and thanks for the content, bye Mr. Yoder there from Random Encounters in the Library, uh, legendary Anchorite podcasting here on Anchor. Um, if y'all haven't checked out Mr. Yoder's podcast, he's he does these, well, they're all kind of, a lot of times they'll be talking about books, and so they'll be based kind of on literature or, you know, have these kind of literary themes to the, to the um, different shows he does. And one of my favorites is he'll, he'll do these recurring podcast uh, with interesting old West kind of wild West trivia. And I always think if I got to play in a wild West game and it was, uh, it was Yoder as the GM and be a killer game. So, I uh, appreciate your, your comments there. I do have a couple of Kabuki Kaiser things. Um, I think one's like mad monks of Quatum or something like that. And then another, I believe is castle gargantuan or castle gargantua or castle gargantuan, which is kind of like a random, randomly generated mega mega dungeon meaning it's it's not just a, a big dungeon but the, the rooms and stuff are big the scale is big like there's giants or titans or something living in there and uh but i haven't dug too too in depth to it but lots of random tables throughout that thing so it, those things so it it uh, falls in line with what what you're saying so thanks for pointing that out and keep up the good work Hey Froth, it's John here from Red Dice Diaries. I was listening to a recent episode of yours where you were talking about how to handle downtime and asking like people for their input. Now, to be honest, I, I probably tend to handle mine in what's uh, a fairly sort of woolly fashion. If it's only like a few days to a week or whatever, I'll just generally say to the person like, look, what's the main thing you're doing during your downtime? Not like if you're buying provisions or you're having a few drinks or whatever. What's the main thing you're focusing on, whether it's finding out information, trying to track down an NPC, whatever. Then I'll have them make some sort of role. We'll summarize the process, and then we jump back into the game, since I don't think downtime should really like be able to overtake the main point of the game. They're supposed to be like a little extra. Anyway, that's just my tuppence worth, dude. Enjoying the episodes. Take care, and I'll catch you soon. That's John Allen Large there from the Red Dice Diaries podcast and blog. Excellent podcast and blog if you haven't checked them out. 
and uh, commenting on the one of the topics from last week's hump day, that of downtimes. There was a cool article where somebody was kind of going through how 5e does it and how Shadows of the Demon Lord does it and everything. And I was just kind of curious. I didn't get a lot of response, but it didn't hurt my feelings. <laughs> but uh, I was just curious how other people do, do it or handle it. As I was mentioning, like a lot of my campaigns, it's kind of like there's always some urgency in place to go, and it, it's there's not an extended you know amounts of 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 not leisure time, but time away from adventuring, I guess. But something that reminded me, of, your call reminded me of uh, it's a Castles and Crusades game that I play in that usually takes like the summers off. Uh, the GM does the whole kind of training deal, so. Um, you know, if you're going to level up, you have to take, you know, a couple of weeks or whatever and pay some money to, to, to train to, to level up. And, and so the rest of the party is usually kind of, well, what do we do now? You know, so uh, there's usually some some activities that happen. Like I had uh, my cleric working on some, um, learning some recipes and stuff for some, you know, not super complicated salves and ointments and things like that while other uh, people are getting you know trying to have their armor worked on to to give them some kind of boost and you know just things like that so I really think it just kind of depends on the table but um, yeah but I, anyway I appreciate your feedback thank you very much y'all check out Red Dice Diaries if you haven't already Hi Froth, it's Goblin Tension here. Just a quick message about this solo adventuring thing you did the other day. I know I'm a bit late to the game, but I thought I'd chip in anyway. As far as I'm aware, I think there's a uh, Tunnels and Trolls app, which is designed for solo gaming, and I think you can take your character through the through the different levels and sort of up, you know, level up and stuff. But I think it's in the format of you know choose your own adventure type things. It might be the sort of thing you could whittle away some time on an aeroplane or something. Anyway, just thought I'd mention that. Um, being a being a Brit, I was definitely into the uh, fighting fantasy stuff. You know, swapping books with your friends and whatnot. That was really good. Um, speaking of which, I, I recently did a blog post about reusing, repurposing fight, fighting fantasy books as Gonzo random encounters. So you know, you flip to random page in Death Trap Dungeon, and that's your your random encounter. Anyway, cheers, fella. Uh, bye. That's Goblin's Henchman there from the uh, Goblin's Henchman blog, goblinshenchman.wordpress.com. That kind of leads us into our first blog of the day um, because uh, I found that idea, you know, he's referring to these solo game podcasts I did over the last, you know, few episodes. You should be able to find them. But uh, I went ahead and dug up that post uh, that Henchman was referring to about random encounters and, and fighting fantasy and stuff and put that under the intro tab on the uh, on this week's post and so thank you as always for your input henchman appreciate you and uh, yeah that tunnels and trolls app sounds pretty cool i like the feeling of rolling the dice though that's kind of what i like about the solo gaming but um it's still like you said it's probably makes more logistical sense to, to, to do that on an airplane than uh to try to roll dice next to the guy it's like there's a commercial right now or there's like an adult that's acting like a kid like slamming the trays around i'd be kind of like the annoying guy rolling the dice somebody just want to stab me through the back of the the airplane seat but um 
The other thing I wanted to mention here as the intro is uh, another legendary anchorite, Larry Hamilton from the Follow Me and Die, Die, Die podcast and blog is doing something really cool. And I put up a link to this under the intro tab, a D&D stream for Extra Life. So this is like a fundraiser stream that um, Larry's going to be participating in. Looks like uh, Saturday the 24th, so just a couple weeks away. And what's awesome about this is you know, first of all, it's awesome. He's going to be streaming and supporting this charity and, and playing D&D, but he's doing it from the old Gygax house in Lake Geneva and uh, playing with one of Gygax's son, Alex's, Alex Gygax, Gygax as well, and uh, some other folks, Grant Ellis and GM Travis, some other people I've seen on different streams and stuff. So um, all the information is up on the um, Thought Eater blog or it'll take you over to the follow me and die blog and you can read about that but i i know uh larry's been a great supporter and, and friend of uh of, of a lot of the anchorites really um class guy um that you know does a lot supporting the hobby uh cool person and um so very excited for larry to have that opportunity um and i'm definitely looking forward to checking that out so be sure and take a look at that all right, so let's get into some blog stuff. Going to talk about some maps first. Just a couple things I want to go over under under the maps because another map thing comes up later. But it had some free zines. Yes, free zines. Free zines attached to it. So I decided to put that under the free stuff later. So just a couple things I want to mention. Matt Jackson, legendary anchorite, does his thing over at msjx.org. Put up a map, Scaldwater Bay, and I just really like this one, uh, like a hex map showing this little bay area with like a kind of a numbered kind of pseudo keyed little uh, village there. Uh, and it, this one just screamed to me, you know, take me, print me, key me, <laughs> use me. <laughs> so you could definitely make a little home base for your characters or do some kind of Lovecraftian, you know, sinister uh, you know, uh, waterfront town kind of deal with it, whatever, check that out. And then the other one, this was that I noticed that was really awesome was over at the hero press blog, hero press blogspotcom They put up a isometric map of bag end, like Bilbo and Frodo's place and, uh, the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings books and uh this is really awesome full color isometric it takes you kind of inside bag end it's even got uh gandalf like getting ready to knock at the door and everything and i just thought this was an awesome map so i thought i'd share that with y'all as well bunch of reviews i thought i'd point out that i saw starting over at highlevelgames.ca they did a post about five reasons the valiant universe rpg is super and let me see if I can see who put this one up. Aaron Dershadel um, posted this. And so it's, uh, you know, I've talked about superhero games and stuff recently. This is one from Catalyst Game Labs, does uh, Shadowrun. And so uh, if you want to know a little bit about the Valiant Universe, I think I picked up this quick start at a free RPG day maybe a couple years ago. But I've seen some people talking about this. So this gives you... Uh, Five things about the game. See if it's something you're interested in. Want to check it out. Another superhero game out there. At reviews from Relier, they did a review of a Motley Ordeal. Well, they call it a Motley Ordeal. And what this is is uh, uh, Changeling the Lost 2nd Edition from Onyx Path Publishing. 
Uh, you know, they've been doing these kind of... Now, it's confusing trying to follow along all the the additions of, like, White Wolf stuff and uh, Vampire and all this. It can get pretty complex. In fact, I read a whole blog post once, which was about how the stuff changed through different companies and different owners and additions and everything. And I think that was just about Vampire, you know. But uh, the vamp, you know, these these games, storytelling system games, have gotten more more popular. At least I've noticed them more, and they become more intriguing to me because I've been watching uh, L.A. by Night with the fifth edition vampire uh, game, and that's one. It's a really entertaining streaming game, and so I've noticed uh, like second editions of some of these games coming out and being released by Onyx Path Publishing. And so that's what this is, changing the Lost Second Edition. But they also talk about like the quick start or jump start for it, which is called Hearts on Trial. So I thought uh, this might be worth taking a look at if you're interested. The artwork definitely looks cool. And um, Pookie over at uh, Reviews from Rolie always does a good job telling you what you're going to get. So if anybody out there is into that old White Wolf stuff, Onyx Path uh, versions of uh, the storytelling system and the Chronicles of Darkness and all that, you can check that out. And there was another interesting review over at rollingboxcars.com of this game from 2010 called Crime Network, Cosa Nostra. So this is a game, uh, it's got like uh, Frank Sinatra and some Vegas imagery on the cover and everything. And it looked like a kind of game that you could maybe, uh, you know, have with the right group, have fun with it, you know, play some mobsters or whatever. So um, it's a game I have no idea, you know, never played it, wasn't familiar with it at all. Uh, but over at rollingboxcars.com, let's see who did this review. It's fairly detailed as well. Oh yeah, Stephen Panisi, who I've featured on here b before. So if if uh, that sounds like a fun game for you, uh, something that uh, you and your group could get into playing some mobsters, you can check that out at rollingboxcars.com. Justin Ryan Isaac put up two different reviews of two of the new Lamentations of the Flame Princess products that were Gen Con exclusive releases. Now, I'm happy to say that I have had an inside man at Gen Con this year who was able to pick up the uh, Gen Con releases for me, as well as another couple of things that I just didn't want to pay. You know, I didn't want to pay the same amount in shipping as the book. You know, I'm done with that whole Finland shipping thing. It's just outrageous. But I still wanted the books. Uh, you know, I don't play the game system of Lamentations. Never clicked for me. It wasn't something that really appealed to me. But I do like collecting the adventures. I, I think they're kind of out there, kind of different. And so uh, Justin's got a review up of Menagerie of Exiles as well as More Than Meets the Eye. And that's one uh, from Kelvin Green there, that More Than Meets the Eye. So if, if you missed out on these or you're trying to contemplate maybe just picking up the PDFs or paying an arm and a leg through eBay or trying to find a, you know somebody selling what they picked up at Gen Con, Honestly, I don't know if they sold out there or not, uh, but you can check out reviews of both of those over at the Halls of the Nephilim blog. That's punverse, punverse.blogspot.com. Finally, I've been seeing a lot of cyberpunk stuff around the net lately, and uh, part of that is because this Cyberpunk Red Jumpstart Kit has come out. I would have thought that just meant like kind of like a really simple starter set, but this seems like it's a little bit more you know, comprehensive than that, but it's like a box set. Um, for uh, the upcoming Cyberpunk 2077 game. Um, so, uh, and it goes in a little detail of some of the old Cyberpunk um, games and stuff like that. This is over at Cannibal 
halflinggaming.com from Aaron Marks. So this actually looks pretty cool. Some of these games, it's kind of like I said with the Crime Network. I think with the right table, the right personalities and stuff, a cyberpunk game could, could be really fun. With some personalities, um, or, or just, you know, the, the, you know, I don't know how to describe it. Other people I know, they just feel like cyberpunk, you know, what the hell, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they wouldn't be able to, to get into it, but I could maybe get into it. And if, um, it's also stuff sometimes depends on having a good GM to kind of, uh, guide you or take you into the world. But anyway, this, uh, cyberpunk red jumpstart kit I know is, uh, selling really well, kind of popular. So if you want to read some, some information about that, go over to cannibalhalflinggaming.com and check it out. Some retrospective stuff I wanted to point out. You might be saying, Froth, what is the difference between your reviews and retrospectives? Well, sometimes I do smush them together. Retrospectives I usually save for when someone's looking back at something that's, you know, several decades old or whatever. And uh, starting over at 9and30kingdoms.blogspot.com, this is Talisman's blog. I'm usually talking about the excellent pamphlet dungeons that uh, Talisman's been putting out for you. But here we have thoughts on Lankmar City of Adventure, the TSR um, product. Uh, I, I want to say this is 85. It does, yeah, it was 85. And you know how I know that? Because of the production design of the book. I ordered this, and it's really similar to um, Temple of Elemental Evil. And that was a great year for the, the look of TSR stuff. I wish they had kept with that whole you know, production design, art design, um, uh, for a little while longer. I think 85 was a really good year as far as the, the quality of what they released and just the look of it. Um, and you know, this reminded me of, um, uh, what are the, um, the dice are screaming podcast, an excellent podcast also on anchor. And they did a, uh, uh, episode a few weeks back on Lankmar. So, if you want to read about this, read about this product, and then check out that uh, Red Dice um, Red Dice Diaries. Got John Allen Large on the mind. The Dice Are Screaming podcast on Lankmar. You can get your uh, Lankmar fix. So check that out over at 9and30kingdoms.blogspot.com. And then another blog that I'm usually talking about for something different, elfmaidsandoctopi.blogspot.com. Chris Tam over there, known for the random tables, put up a little post about the uh, UK series of uh, AD&D modules. And Chris has got a real way with words. So if, if you're familiar with these modules and want to kind of read a kind of a quick overview of the UK um, series from Chris, check that out. Oldschoolroleplaying.com is a blog that's come up a few times because they pick out uh, some interesting products to talk about. They don't do super in-depth um, reviews, but they, they, they kind of talk about products that you, uh, you kind of have to pay an arm and a leg to find. Um, and the, the one that caught my eye um, this time around was the Maltese Clue, which is a Judges Guild AD&D module. Uh, definitely one kind of hard to find. Or you might find yourself paying quite, quite a bit for it. But if you've ever wondered about the Maltese Clue, you go over to oldschoolroleplaying.com and Joseph Moore over there will tell you a little bit about what it's all about. And then finally, I thought this was kind of a cool retrospective post at moathousemusings.blogspot.com. And this is, I uh, don't see a, I don't see a person's name to credit with the post, but it's called 1E Modules Ranked. And uh, what they did was they had multiple rounds of voting 
uh, for people to vote on. Uh, and I think they maybe did this over the, the one like Facebook group or something, but they had multiple rounds of people voting on different AD and D modules to rank them. And so what's cool about it is you can see the stuff at the top and you know, what's weird my number one module, Sajkanth, you know, Gygax, uh, ended up being number one in this, which I could never have seen coming. I never would have thought that that would end up the number one to everybody. Actually, let me give you the top five. You've got Lost Caverns of Sajkanth, White Plume Mountain, Studying of the Hill Giant Chief, Expedition to the Barrier Peaks, and Sinister Secret of Salt Marsh. That's what ended up being the top five. All really good stuff. Bottom number uh, tied for ninety, tied for ninety fourth. You've got Dragons of Truth and World of Kren. A couple of Dragonlance modules, which not surprising that they play slow. Those are ones that were kind of really railroady to fit, uh, you know, to match plots of books or whatever. I know still some people like them. I'm not dogging them. I'm just not surprised that they rank low. But if you want to look through here and see where some of your favorites ended up, I was kind of curious where Under Illifarn would be because I thought that was an underrated module, but it's kind of right smack dab in the middle. It ranked at number 50. And um, so anyway, if you're into this kind of thing, ranking, stuff like that, I want to see where all these 1E modules ended up through this multiple round, uh, through multiple rounds of voting. You can go and check that out. All right, we got some really cool stuff for uh, under the random tables and generators this week. Break out the dice. I'm thinking about buying a dice tower. I was thinking about first about uh, doing one of these paper craft ones where you kind of build it yourself, but then I've seen some on Amazon that are kind of cheap, uh, you know, that you can just kind of click together and that kind of thing. I think I might just get myself, myself one of those. But, uh, Anyway, that's an aside that has nothing to do with anything. But the first one on here was over at Weird and Wonderful Wonderful Worlds. Weird Wonderful oh, Wow, tongue twister. Weird Wonderful Worlds.blogspot.com. Don't have a name to credit to it, but what they did is they took Mike Evans' hubris setting, which was like for DCC. I backed the Kickstarter in this a few years back, but it's like a sword and sorcery kind of weird setting, lots of random tables and stuff. Anyway, they took Hubris, and then they took all the tables from the GM Tables and Tools chapter, and then they built out where you can just kind of point and click to generate an ancient forgotten demigod, uh, generate a gang of bandits, generate a city district, a disease, go grave digging, NPCs, planes, camp effects, strange and interesting herbs. Let's do one of those. The Slathering Marigold. It's got a very alluring aroma, but it tastes like snot. Uh, taverns, vials, instant towns and villages, strange and ominous realms. All this kind of stuff with a just simple point and click. So super cool if you're using Hubris, but even if you're not, if you're doing some kind of gonzo, weird OSR thing, you'll want to go over to weirdwonderfulworlds.blogspot.com. Those could be really handy kind of time-saving time uh, generators for you there. Really like this post at Ancient Faith in the Far Future is the name of the blog. Ancientfarfuture.blogspot.com And this is Robert Weaver's blog. And Robert says that they were talking about on a Facebook traveler group that they had a scenario where the PCs are exploring an abandoned habitat. And the idea was, you know, some kind of colony. And then they started talking about, well, why would the colony have failed? So... They compiled all these uh, reasons that a colony might fail from that conversation and end up with D66 
reasons why the colony failed. So let's see. Why did the colony fail? 41. The youth departed for better living in the cities and the old folks died off. Do one more of these. 34. Cult of personality. Followers abandoned the colony when the leader died or was disgraced. So cool stuff. Really cool stuff. D66. Reasons why the colony failed. So I like that quite a bit. And then Gamergen over at the Gamergen Platts blog, Gamergen, G-A-M-U-R-G-I-N.blogspot.com. A while back, if you're a long-time listener to Hump Day Blogorama, Gamergen come up with, came up with this idea of chumming the dungeon. And the basic idea is kind of putting these red herrings or weird things in the dungeon that your players will ascribe all this significance to, but you're just, you know messing with them. You're chumming the dungeon. So they did another chumming the dungeon uh, post here with a D12 table. Let's see what I get. One. Uh, so the players find a wooden marionette in lavish but tiny clothing. It bears a felt top hat beneath which is a felt cutout in the shape of a key. Beside the marionette are the crossbar and a spool of twine. And it's got little images for these too which is nice. Uh, so yeah. You find that they're going to ascribe some kind of significance, wonder about it, but you just chum the dungeon on them. So, if you uh, like the idea of chumming the dungeon, I love it. Uh, check that over at gamergen.blogspot.com. Over at Curmudgeon Master, the Curmudgeon Master's blog, and this is a relatively new one, uh, uh, relatively new to the um, blogosphere. They had four posts in May, and uh, so welcome to the blogosphere, Curmudgeon Master. It's curmudgeonmaster.blogspot.com. They put up a post, uh, D100 Familiars. I like to use familiars as little spirit animal mascots for parties. They make great comic relief, enable quick plot hooks, and provide the little extra tool that helps players get out of sticky situations. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> excuse me, let's uh, roll on here for a quick D100 Familiar. Let's see, that is a an orb weaver. I'm not sure what that is. Seventeen. A koala. That'd be cool. A koala bear. And four. A little butterfly. Uh, pretty fragile. Probably won't wouldn't last in my group very long. But if you want to look at a list of D100 familiars? I dug this post over at curmudgeonmaster.blogspot.com. And finally, over at a blasted cratered land. This is Vilexi Raptors blog, Blasted Crater Land, craterland.blogspot.com. They put up a post, plus 1.5 magic weapons. Plus 1 magic weapons are a staple, but just not very particularly interesting unless they got something else going for them. So you can click on here to f see what do you find. Plus 1 Bastard Sword, inscribed with a math magical formula that calculates the best strike in any situation. Also glowing, emits light as a torch, runs on oil as a lantern. One more on here. Uh, plus one halberd, soul of a famous soldier was melted into the metal. Their visage peeks through and offers whispered advice. Also imbued, has an inscribed spell that can be cast once as a scroll. May be re-imbued with the right materials. Cool stuff over at craterland.blogspot.com. And my little sweetie's walking in. What's up, buddy? Gonna do some piano practice? We can do that. It would be nice background music. Nice back. Well, we'll see. Did you have a good day? Yeah. All right.
You want to say hello to everybody? Yeah. <laughs> say hey. Hi. <laughs> they're not going to say hey back, but they're listening. Yeah. We, we need to do some more gaming, don't we? Yeah. Well, we haven't played in a minute. Please. Right now I'm going to practice my piano. Oh, there she goes. Practice that piano. And now a word from our sponsors. All right, I hope you're hanging with me because we got uh, we got a good bit left to get to, uh, but we're getting into some good stuff here with some free stuff. And the bloggers came through this week with tons of awesome free content. And uh, I'm going to start over again uh, here at darksunadventures.blogspot.com. They put up a few paper minis. It was either last week or the week before, and they put up a few more. So if you're into paper minis, uh, Rajat99 over there has got some up for you. Milan, a.k.a. Gabor Lux, over at the Beyond Fomalhaut blog, beyondfomalhaut.blogspot.com. Over the last few weeks, I've been talking about their Morthemian Mega Dungeon, and they've been adding you know, levels and updating a PDF. So there's a new PDF at the bottom of this one with uh, like a sub-level added. The other interesting thing is that they make reference to this Rith Chronicle. And they refer to it as perhaps the single most useful document of early OD&D play. And so this is kind of like a campaign account of someone's campaign from the mid-70s on. And through following those links, I was able to find a link to that PDF um, uh, of the Rith Chronicle for you. So you can download that, and it's 80 pages of reading about this uh, really, you know, original D&D, old-school game and, and how they played back then. So two killer things there coming at you from Gabor Locks. You've got another kind of sub-level of the Mega Dungeon, and then this uh, Rith Lindor, Rith Chronicle of this uh, uh, OD&D campaign from the, the mid-'70s. Over at the engine, uh, over at the Papers and Pencils blogs, uh, blog, paperspencils.com, they put up a post, um, the engine of On a Red World Alone. And uh, so, this is uh, Nick Whelan's blog. I was fishing for the name. I, I know Nick recently put out uh, a, uh, another OSR product that you might want to check out, Deadly Dungeons, I believe is up on Lulu. Um, but they're talking about, uh, they say three and a half years ago, they began a rules as written lamentations game set on post-apocalyptic Mars and called it on a red world alone. Bit by bit, each rule was tinkered with, and now it's like a game unto itself. If you're interested in what it looks like, there's a PDF of the on a red world alone version eight. So you can check that out. Nate Treem, I've talked about several times. Last week I was talking about tunnel goons, kind of a simple one page game that Nate had come up with that you could download for free and now Nate's doing a goon jam over at itch and so people are making hacks of it and I, you know I'm gonna go ahead and give myself all the credit for this because I mentioned people could hack this game no I'm not gonna give myself any credit although I did mention it uh while I'm not gonna give myself credit I did go over and download a bunch of these you know go over to itch uh, it's got a link, uh, I put a link up for the Goon Jam, and a bunch of people are participating, and they've got all kinds of different varieties of these, uh, of, uh, of hacks, of uh, tunnel goons, and uh, very cool. I love these jams that go on over at Itch, like uh, there was the Pamphlet Dungeon Jam a while back, where I got a ton of cool stuff off of that. So check out the Goon Jam. 
another one of these cool kind of organic things that seems to happen uh, with gaming that's really awesome. Over at the Striving and the Gain, strivingandgain.com. See if I got a name here. I don't see a name, but they put up a post, The Overpowering Influence of Delight, a Troika supplement. I've been hearing a lot of people talking about Troika and stuff lately, and they put up a link to The Overpowering Influence of Delight. It's got some Troika backgrounds and stuff like that going on, so you can download that for free. That polyhedral nonsense. I know I'm hitting y'all with a bunch of stuff here. Man. There was just a, a wave of cool stuff this week. But polyhedralnonsense.wordpress.com, NG76's blog, they put up a new scenario for mercenary spies and private eyes. And it's got a bunch of other stuff with it. Maps, NPC handouts, combat sheets and everything. And I know that uh, mercenary spies and private eyes, there was like a recent uh, Kickstarter to do an updated version of that if you if you've got a copy want to check out a free uh scenario called the exchange a new scenario free scenario for mercenary spies and private eyes go over to polyhedralnonsense.wordpress.com check that out over at axes and orcs they put up a new pamphlet dungeon keep of the first scion so uh it says it's an adventure mostly for troika you know how that goes probably use it for just about anything but so even some more troika love out there over at Axes and Orcs, it's not, it's, uh, you know, the title is Axes and Orcs, but the, uh, the URL is just Axes and the letter N, axesandorcs.blogspot.com. Check out that pamphlet dungeon, Keep of the First Scion. Again, I got links to all this up at the Thought Eater blog, you know, uh, so it's easy for you to find. And Graphite Prime, over at graphiteprime.blogspot.com. Put up a post, Abstract Settings, Zeti Nocularis. It's a free PDF of their Zeti Nocularis setting. It said it started out as a sketch for something else. It wasn't quite working. A fragment of some place floating through the astral plane designed to collide with the petrified remains of a forgotten goddess. So this is, you know where this is going. Kind of weird, poetic, dark, strangely beautiful, that kind of thing. Um, you know, kind of otherworldly. Uh, so the abstract settings, Zeti Nocularis, download that for free over at Graphite Prime. And then this is where I had made reference during the map post, so the map would come back again. You guys know I love Aniko Maniche's um, uh, cartography, and Aniko put up a post how they did the map for uh, a zine, Vieja Escuela, uh, which is the old school zine, a Spanish zine. And... Um, so the, the map itself is really cool. And there's three versions over at, um, El Tomo Comrisi, which is Aniko's blog, but then they link over to the Vieja Escuela, um, site. And I put that link up as well. So if you're Spanish speaking, uh, is that your first language or just you're well versed in it, or you just like to like, look at cool stuff. You can download the first four, um, Vieja Escuela old school Spanish zines for free. So something for everybody. You know, we got, we got zines, we got the goon jam, we got minis, we got mega dungeons. We got stuff from the mid seventies uh, to check out. We got mercenary spies and private eye stuff. We got Troika stuff, uh, pamphlet dungeons, uh, weird settings, Zeti Nocularis. Who knows? I mean, tons of free stuff this week. 
bloggers rocked it out. What can you say? That's just a, a sample of just the, the, the kind of stuff you can find just in one week following along the blogosphere. It's amazing. Some miscellaneous stuff to go through, starting over at the udan-adan.blogspot.com, the Against the Wicked City blog. They put up a really cool post, Gaslight and Shadow, Urban Folklore of the Mid-19th Century. It says that all these are authentic things, uh, many up from Carl Bell's book, The Magical Imagination, Magic and Identity in Urban England. So, Urban Folklore from the Mid-19th Century, and this is from Joseph Manola. Uh, stuff like the severed hand of a hanged man having healing properties and uh, cutting crosses in the back of your ears protecting you from harm and uh, stuff like that. So if you want to look up some odd urban folklore uh, superstitions and stuff like that from mid-19th century, Gaslight and Shadow, uh, cool post, definitely some flavorful stuff that you can put into certain games. I don't usually talk too much about games that are getting ready to come out because there's so many of them. You know, if I tried to do like Kickstarter lists and stuff like that, I would just get too covered up. It's impossible. But I felt like I needed to mention this one from Goodman Games, goodman-games.com on their blog. Oh, um, during uh, um, Gen Con, they announced their the latest of their um, original adventures, Reincarnated series where they take an old D&D module, update it for 5e, and reprint the original in there, and usually add essays and other stuff. The next one they're doing, B4, The Lost City. Now, this is one that gets a lot of love, but it's not one that I ever ran. I do have a copy of it, but I never ran it. Um, it seems like you, you kind of have to pick what to run at low levels, or you know they level out of it quick, and so it's one that uh, I, you know I haven't... I haven't uh, time you know synced up with my game groups when they're low level enough but definitely looking forward to buying this one i pre-ordered their last one which was the barrier peak so i think that comes out around christmas or whatever but looks like the next one's going to be the lost city so i just put a link to the announcement about that if you're into that into 5e old school stuff definitely check that out spitting image over at the late night zen blog put up an awesome post late night zen.blogspot.com base building mini game it was very hard to describe but it's almost like taking the whole uh building a uh, stronghold or whatever and then kind of taking that concept and tying it to tetris blocks and then having a budget based on the size of the block or whatever and then forming your own stronghold or 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 what have you with the tetris blocks and then the rooms also being assigned, you know, a, a number of squares and costs and whatever else. And so it's such a cool kind of like, like it says, like a mini game sort of thing, way of, of, of building your own stronghold or manor or whatever. But I just thought it was just, you know, totally original, something I'd never seen before. So if you want to try the, the Tetris base building mini game for your next uh, stronghold, um, uh, the you know this this base building game with the Tetris blocks and everything really creative and very different post over at latenightzen.blogspot.com. Jack Shear over at the Tales of the Grotesque and Dungeonesque always you know always has something that makes me think or some kind of just interesting 
post a lot of times it'll kind of make literary references and and here is the persisting ghost story the draw of the gothic bedsheet ghosts and so it's got links to several uh, um, articles that you can read like who invented the bedsheet ghost and uh, the ghost story persists in American literature from the New York Times and and uh, this is just very interesting stuff if you like gothic horror and just uh, uh, horror in general and uh, I just thought you know that that old bedsheet ghost I thought that was a uh, just a very interesting post uh, very readable um, few articles that uh, that Jack put together here because um, you know you do kind of wonder about the old bedsheet ghost right <laughs> when you really think about it I think that might be maybe my next uh, Halloween costume or whatever something really easy like that <sighs> My wife usually will make like something really grandiose for my daughter, and uh, I usually will just walk around and not do anything anymore. And yeah, I'm kind of a lame dad not to, to be dressing up, um, but I need something simple, something froth level. So maybe bedsheet ghost is the way to go. <laughs> uh, the last thing under the miscellany is uh, from the A Roll of the Dice blog. Abraxarba, A-B-R-A-X-A-R-B-A dot blogspot.com, Abraxarba dot blogspot.com, title is A Roll of the Dice. They put up a post called The Adventurer's Club. If you want some old school cred, I got your old school cred right here, and it's got a picture of them in their junior high school yearbook from 84, in their uh, adventuring Dungeons and Dragons club and everything, and it kind of reminisces about the old days. This is from J.D. McDonnell. And I thought this was just a really cool post, uh, um, you know, just seeing somebody kind of take you back in time and reminiscing like that. And I would have loved to have been in one of these old school gaming clubs at school, but I went to these private schools when I was really young. Um, I guess until, uh, what was it, 81. And then I had a couple of years of public school and then was back in private school from like, 85 to 87 something like that and they damn sure weren't going to let you play D&D in there you want to talk about satanic panic boy they you know probably you know break out the paddle on you for holding hands you know what I'm saying <laughs> there were some sadistic people in those old schools um yeah did I get away from the happiness of the Adventures Club? I think I did. I took it to a dark place. <laughs> but anyway, I thought this was a cool post. The Adventures Club walked down memory lane from their uh, their junior high school um, adventuring club. All right, for the final topic today, you know, I considered talking about, like, there have been a lot of posts about the death of the OSR and this kind of thing, but... You know, I guess I'm going to talk a little bit about it now anyway, but I, I, I kind of just wanted to avoid it because it's the kind of thing where it's like, is the OSR dead? Well, I mean, considering people are still playing games that are, you know, 40 plus years old, you know, no, I mean, it's it's never going to die. There's always going to be people playing old games. When you get into talking about the scene, you know, one of the posts, I think it was Gabor Lux, and they were talking a little bit about, you know, the scene breaking up after Google Plus, but... I think Google Plus just kind of gave an illusion of cohesion, you know, because uh, there were so many people on there and everything. But 
Well, it's a scene. It wasn't like everybody really got along. It's kind of like anything, you know, there's a lot of people, people have diverse opinions, you know, and just like any scene, there are lots of cool people and some not so cool people. And I, I think I mentioned once a while back, you know, you could have gotten on Google plus one day and met some awesome people, been invited to a game. Everybody, you know, would have, you know, encouraged you on your stuff. You might've gotten involved in a group project and you would have walked away from it saying, God, the OSR, the, the coolest people ever made me feel like part of the gang. Um, I'm excited to create, I love the OSR, or you could have gotten on, you know, 10 minutes later, bumped into someone being a total, you know, complete, you know, jerk to, to people and, and, and walked away from it saying, ah, oh, God, OSR filled with, you know, terrible people. And, and the, you know what I mean? Honestly, reality is really subjective. Um, you see that with everything now, you know, people are li living in completely different realities. Uh, you can see the same news story or see the same event and come away with it with totally different, you know, perception and everything from it. Um, that's kind of how all scenes are. OSR is the, the, the same way. Um, so, but as far as, you know, there were all these kind of discussions that you hear a lot come up about it. And, um, but, uh, as far as like calling it dead, I just, I just don't see how something that, you know, no one's, there are whole segments, you know, large amounts of people that will just continue to play you know, the same games, the same thing that they always have, you know, forever. And so I don't see how you could ever de declare it dead now as a, uh, as a, as a way to market your products, uh, having a co kind of cohesive base like Google plus to be able to, you know, kind of market your stuff. I do feel for people with that. I've seen, uh, you know, at least one failed, not failed, but you know, Kickstarter or whatever that was unable to fund, uh, and I think, you know, reaching out and finding people that are into old school games is definitely going to be more difficult now, but, um, you know, uh, at the same time with Google plus going away, it led to me for me personally, it gave me a whole bunch more creativity and impetus to, to work on stuff like this, like this, you know, like this podcast and, you know, this is the 99th episode. I got 100 coming up on Friday. And uh, I, I know I never would have done the, you know, I don't think I ever would have even thought about starting these probably um, if, if I hadn't have known that Google Plus was going away and hadn't have just kind of felt like I wanted to do something, blog, you know, related to the blogs and, and that kind of thing. So anyway, that's what all I had to really say about the whole OSR dying thing so but i'm glad that i saw this other post instead because it's, to me it's a much more interesting to, thing to talk about and this is from frylock's gaming and geekery blog gsllc.wordpress.com so frylock here i believe is an ip logger yeah it does intellectual property law in virginia and 
<laughs> this is one hell of a post and it, it's part one of what's going to be three posts. So this is one to bookmark and follow along because the part one is copyrightability of RPG stat blocks. And it talks about how they had come up with some kind of program or system where they were, you know, using stat blocks for 5e and everything. And they got an email, a cease and desist email from Wizards demanding that they take down one of their one-stop stat blocks, you know, this idea they had. And they go line for line and just, just you know, first of all, Frylock ain't taking it down. And uh, and they, they picked the wrong person. Because, look, if, if, if Wizards sends me a cease and desist, you know, I, I've got a little trickle of urine, you know, going down my leg, and I'm like, done, I'm taking something down. I, I'm not fighting Wizards on anything. I, I, I have no... You know, I know about as much about copyright law as the only other gamers on the internet. You know, where you hear, oh, you can't copyright rules, but you can copyright, you know, presentation. So, you know, that little spiel. That's about all I know, same as anyone else. Well, here, Frylock goes into detail about copyright, about gaming, uh, about this that, and the other. And... Um, and really lays it out clearly. And so it's a long post, but it's well worth reading, very detailed. And they just kind of just savage any hope uh, of Watsy being able to shut them down for having this uh, this uh, stat block. And, and, you know, Wizards, honestly, they should... It's kind of a shame to see them go after somebody for doing a stat block deal. Um because it really just leads people around back to their game, you know. No one's going to just say, hey, I've got a stat block. I've got the game now. No, they might say, oh, I've got a stat block, uh, you know, that I can use with all the other stuff I've already bought from D&D. But they say that the, the posts are going to lead into talking about the OGL. And I've got a sense of where that's going because they talk about the open gaming licenses being useless. Let me find their exact wording. Um, yeah, they said they're going to expose the true nature of the open gaming license. And then later in the comments, um, they make a comment. Uh, give me one second. Cause this is worth reading. Uh, come on froth, find it. The OGL is the subject of the third post. We'll dissect it thoroughly. I'll only say this. The OGL is a legally meaningless document, so I don't care what it says, and neither should you. I have every intention of justifying that desertion. So I think it's going to get a lot, you know, it's almost like the OGL is like a fish hook, you know, maybe to kind of hook you in to giving them more power than they have by publishing under it. Now, of course, I say that. <laughs> Don't, don't take me as being some kind of genius because, you know, I'm just to cover my ass because I, no, I have no idea what I'm talking about when it comes to law. I, I put an open gaming license uh, with uh, the zines that I do, you know, just to whatever. And I think, I guess, maybe part of it, it's good to have stuff, some things designated as open con gaming content so that other people can feel like at least that they're legally, even if they could have anyway be using the rules and everything in their own products. But look, I'm not going to try to sit here after reading what Frylock posted and try to sound intellectual to y'all in the least. All I would do is say, all I would say is that if you're 
publishing game gaming materials at all, you owe it to yourself to go and read this post and then follow along with a series from Frylock here about copyrights and um, OGL and everything else. I will say this. I can tell you somebody that didn't like reading this post was Wizards because oof, it sounds like they're going to go nowhere with old Frylock on a cease and desist. And, um, and, and, uh, and, you know, it, sh it shouldn't go anywhere. I mean, it's a stat block. I mean, come on now, you know, you can, if, if, if you take that away, no one can homebrew really anything. Can you, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I'm not doing a very good job of explaining it all. I'm rambling and raving. Uh, so if you want to see somebody really be able to effectively express themselves, <laughs> go over to gsllc.wordpress.com and read Frylock's part one about the copyright law. All right, so that is the show for this week. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed putting it together for you. Lots of good stuff, you know, every week. That's why I do this because, you know, it, it just will pass you by otherwise. And it's great to kind of keep a little record or at least give some people some shout outs or whatever. The awesome stuff that the RPG blogosphere is doing every week. As I mentioned, can't believe it. This is episode 99 coming up on 100. Hard for me to believe um, when I started this podcast to be still going. Um, but I'll talk a little bit about my experiences podcasting the state of the thought eater podcast and blog and all that kind of stuff on Friday and it just kind of made me reminisce a little bit I don't know I might do some other things I haven't really thought too much it's just creeping up on me so fast and I don't think I'm gonna have anything you know huge planned for it but I will celebrate just a little bit pat myself on the back you know because it is kind of an accomplishment it really is uh, and it uh, sticking with something I'm proud of myself for that Anyway, I really appreciate folks listening. Thanks, as always, to the bloggers out there. If you enjoy any of the stuff that I put up, be sure to drop by and leave somebody a comment. Tell them great posts. Um, thank you to the folks backing me on Patreon. I really appreciate y'all. Thanks again. Patreon.com forward slash Thought Eater. It's only a dollar a month if you like the stuff I'm doing and want to support me in that. You can go over and check that out. As I mentioned before, all this stuff is on the Thought Eater blog. You can message me on the Anchor app. Thank you to the folks that messaged me earlier. I got some other messages too that maybe weren't just related to the show today. So, and, and but uh, for for anybody that sent me a message, I appreciate it. But thanks to Colin, Arfed, Mr. Yoder, John Allen Large, Goblin's Henchman, other folks that. Uh, have uh, given me some feedback and stuff. I really appreciate y'all. Uh, you can email me, frothsoft, frothsof at gmail.com. There's also a contact form over at the Thought Eater blog. If you've got any thoughts or comments, you can send them my way. Next you'll hear from me, like I say, it'll be episode 100 on Friday, and we'll uh, we'll talk about it. And it just uh, the main thing that it makes me think about is... Uh, how thankful I am being part of the OSR Anchorite community, all the support and the cool folks that I have met uh, on podcasting that I wouldn't have met otherwise. That alone has made it worth it. Also, I'm extremely thankful to folks for listening to my shows. Um, it's slowly grown uh, over time. And uh, so whoever you are, wherever you are, 
listening to this, uh, I want you to make sure you know that I do appreciate you checking it out. Thank you very much. And I will continue to try to bring you cool stuff on a weekly basis. I think that's it. Logan, let's do it. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade. Zeroing in on your mental trade. Gonna help you escape from the grind. Thought eater gonna blow your mind.